Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is the Anfield Wrap, Neil Atkinson here, uh, and it is the Anfield Wrap in association with Reds Bet. And listen, we want to thank everyone who came to our shows that we did in Oslo and in Stockholm. Uh, very, very good of them to come for those shows that we were doing with Reds Bet over there. And I also thank everyone at Reds Bet for their hospitality as well for the duration. Uh, the Scandinavians, my God, they want you to have a good time, and we very, very much did so. Uh, so I'm going to just sort of leave you now, now and get on with this week's show. Uh, but this is the Anfield Wrap in association with Reds Bet. It is the Anfield rap, Neil Atkinson. With us, we've got Neil Jones from the Liverpool Echo. First time he's been back on for a while, so really nice to see him. Uh, he's looking well. Uh, we're also joined by Fuad Hassan. Uh, it's his first show, so hello to Fuad and welcome. I uh, hope he enjoys this. Paul Senior and Ian Ryan in. Uh, you get, all, to get them all the time, but you get them all the time because they're good and he talks in. So they're going to be talking about Southampton, nil, Liverpool too. And I'll go Neil Jones first on it, really, Neil. It was a game that I thought was just completely killed, completely finished by that brilliant second goal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think... Uh, as Jürgen Klopp was asked after the game about the timing of the two goals and one early in the, in the first half, one late in the second half and I think he, his smile said it all. I think once that second goal went in, Southampton had had a little bit of a go. He'd had um, a lot of the ball and a couple of headed chances and Karius had made a couple of saves but as soon as uh, Salah and Firmino combined, you didn't get the impression that they were a team capable of scoring two goals. I think uh, their fans their fans gave up on them and I think the players in the second half gave up on themselves. Uh, uh, what strikes me about that, uh, Paul, was the extent to which they knew as soon as that second goal went in, you know, they, 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 to, to then get it at half time and yet it would be deflating, but you would think there'd be some sort of form of a rallying cry, we can get something out of this, we can do something here, lads. And the absolute opposite happened. It was such a dead game. They just went, yep, that's it then, we can't beat these. Yeah, it's been a side that's been sort of struggling for goals for a while now. You know, they had a, a bit of a flurry when they brought Gabby Adini in, but really they've, they've struggled without Charlie Austin. Um, and yeah, I was surprised actually because I watched Southampton a few weeks ago against Tottenham and they sort of they kept them at bay for a while, but both sides that day looked a little a little blunt. Um but no, that's, that, you're absolutely right in what you're saying. Second goal killed them, and the fans did seem to just to well, give up on them. It was a second half was a non-contest. Fuad, one of the things that struck me was the second goal. I think it's as much the nature of it as anything else. It was almost like this was a goal that Liverpool could score and Southampton couldn't score in the wildest dreams with the quality, of the back heel, the run, the finish. It was. It, it isn't just that's it. We're two 0 up. It was very much. This is what our you you play quite well, but this is what our boys can do. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I was I was at the ground and couldn't really appreciate the quality of the back heel from from up there in the stand. So, I mean, looking back at it, you just sort of see the the technical ability. I mean, if that's if that's Messi or or any other sort of top quality player in Europe, I think that that video would be doing rounds on Twitter and uh, everyone would be going quite mental over it. I think that's a brilliant. Sorry, Neil. I thought that, I think that's a really brilliant point as well. For, for some reason, that you won't be seeing that goal for the rest of the season in a way where. I always look at the, the overhead kick Rooney scores in, I think it's 2012 um, for Man United against Man City and you see it forever but some players will do that in I don't know a Southampton West Brom game and you'll never see it again and I, there's, there's a sort of underestimation of, of this Liverpool side are just quite I think it's because there's no stellar name you know even where you were lads like Jack Wilshere spoken about still 
where it's, if he's doing that, you know, he's seeing it on all the telly, everything for weeks and weeks and weeks. But it's almost just presumed these Liverpool lads will do. And I think we need to keep in, enjoying it and almost have it almost like a little secret in a way. Everyone knows these are good. But sometimes when we do things that are that good, I, I just think it's a little bit underestimated. I think it's it's something which I think I agree with both Paul and Phil at their aim, but it is something which, as I say, if you're playing for Southampton, you've had that pressure, you've had two or three good chances that we'll come on to talk about, and then that happens. And it is sort of... A, it, and you know, Paul, Paul said before that if Austin doesn't play, they don't look like they've got a forward. I thought that Carrillo looked willing, looks like he's technically all right, you know, I wouldn't slag him off, but... There's just this gulf, isn't there, between what Liverpool can do to you in the final third and what and what most sides in this league can. I think you're absolutely right. And in terms of that second goal, as soon as it goes in, it just it reminded me of something like Romario and Stoichkov from that Barcelona team in like kind of the early to mid nineties. In terms of the invention, the class of it, and when something like that happens, if you're the opposition, I mean, you almost sense there was a collective sigh of this football match is no longer any of our business, um, and they. I mean, the timing certainly plays a part because it's on 42 as well. And I think Pellegrino references that and says, you know, we, we felt we were kind of edging our way into the game. We've had some chances, as, as Neil's alluded to there. But then when something like that happens, when a moment of genius happens like that and you've got two lads operating at the absolute peak of the powers and they can just turn it on in an instant, it must be so disheartening, disheartening if you're a Southampton player or a fan. And I think they just thought to themselves... There'll be other winnable games coming up for us, and they almost kind of, Neil, you always kind of reference this, kind of shook hands almost and thought, right, we'll take two and we'll get out of here because the second half is an absolute non event. It almost became like a training match for Liverpool. There was just absolutely no pressure at all. And it, it was a little bit surprising that Southampton didn't seem to to kind of come out with any kind of rallying cry. I think when something like something like that happens, either two things will happen. You'll come out all guns blazing and try and get something, or as I said before, you will just almost kind of take it and say, right, this game's no longer any of our business, and that's what happened to Southampton. The, the non-event thing is so true. I found myself, I didn't go to the game yesterday, but I found I found myself almost not paying attention to it because it was just it had just become sort of background noise. Liverpool were fashioning chances and we were maybe a little bit sloppy in front of goal second half. But you never felt like we were under real, under real threat. And you see Van Dijk almost putting on a, like an exhibition. You know, uh, look 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 at me, and you can see the smirk on his face throughout the game. Almost like you want to know you're booing me for coming here. This is why I'm here. It was like yeah. I've, put, I've, I've proved my point in 65 minutes here. That my move is so much higher than this. We're in the same division, but we're not in the same league. There think, isn't. It? Sorry, go on, Neil. No, go on. I was going to say. I think the thing was as well. The second goal. They were two 0 down, and they knew Liverpool hadn't played well, so they were like. God, they're going to have a moment where they're going to turn it on properly for, for the 10 minutes. So what we, what's going to happen then? We're going to have to go at them in the second half. They're going to mince us. It's what, basically what I think Southampton thought. They thought they could get beat 6 or 7 at home. Yeah. I think they thought, you know what, I'll draw stumps here, we'll take 2-0, we'll, we'll, we'll try and hopefully nick one back in. I think at 1-0 you'd think they'll give us one, Liverpool, but at 2-0 you think we're just going to get opened up again. There's two things on that, Neil, which again is is, is why you know maybe you take the same option. The other, th- the, the, the first thing that occurs to me is you're saying that they could have got done 6 or 7. One of the things that struck me whilst I was watching that second half was these sides at the bottom now we're going to go on to play a lot of them have got to start thinking about goal difference because yeah. it's so so tight you can throw a blanket over 10 teams at the minute and you really can and it's yeah. you know one result here and there and there's, there's now it's 11 points. games to go it, it is a point. a point so if Liverpool do do someone 6-0, 7-0 not just Liverpool if Man City do yeah. it someone gets done 7-0 it's like they lose a point and Liverpool are, and the, the, the team that can do it home or away as well there's, it's not going to Anfield and getting done 7 it's, it's Liverpool coming to you and doing it to you and it can happen you know Huddersfield 
got done three and Brighton got Liverpool, done five, Brighton Bournemouth four. Stoke have been done three. Yeah. You know, West Ham have been done four, one was yeah. it as well. So Liverpool are just I think that I think that the the highest scorers now in the Europe's top five leagues away from home. Aren't really? They? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. there was certainly there was a graphic definitely put up in the Sky game and he would either level or or one behind so that they'll have they'll have done it. Um so yeah, so that you, that's that's the fear. I, I always I've I've always wanted Liverpool to have it because I always felt United had it. Where United got three games because teams are going to go. It doesn't matter what happens today. We're going to get beat. So let's let, if if it's two 0 let's have a handshake and say well done. And I think Liverpool are not quite getting that, but they're certainly getting a degree of that about them. It strikes me that if we can keep this sort of keep this record against these sides up, Paul, because I think the other thing we've got to sort of get rid of now is the myth of Liverpool always make a mess of it now against the smaller sides. Yeah. I think this season, I think there's a separate conversation which is home draws, and that's a you know when sides come and absolutely take the whole sting out of the football match. We have struggled with that, but that's its own thing. On the road, you know, yes, we get beat a couple of weeks back by Swansea, but every side has one of them a season at some point. Apart from that, on the road this season, away from home against smaller sides, we've been really, really impressive. Yeah, um, this this Liverpool side doesn't doesn't seem to have the the the, the flaws of even re, you know recent Jurgen Klopp sides in, in these types of fixtures. I, I, yesterday, people were telling me, "Oh, Southampton had a game there at the weekends." I don't think this Liverpool side sees it that way anymore. Don't get me wrong; I was saying this. We had Swansea the other week and lost bottom of the league. Um, but I would say that is now sort of an anomaly. The words I can't say anomaly. Anomaly. There we go. Um, ra- rather than just co- like the, the normal course of things, Liverpool have got almost like a, a, a ruggedness and a, and a confidence at at one nil, at two nil. I mean, don't get me wrong. The second goal helped because there was a header where Carrillo got. Carrius uh, made a couple of decent saves, but. There's almost like I think that a newfound confidence in Liverpool to see games out in in not you know they always say two 0 is not a safe lead, it sort of is but you know it, it's it's there's a game even under Jurgen Klopp where under Koeman the three two yeah. yeah the three two and that that was that was, that was almost commonplace for this Liverpool side we've seen it well we played better I, in the first half in that three two than we did in oh, the, in, in, in this two 0 absolutely and I wonder whether there's been a, a little bit of give and take so I don't think we're quite as fluid as we were. In certain times under Jurgen Klopp, I, I harp on on shows regularly about a period of time where we played uh, Watford at home. Who came and he was seventh place in the league. Leicester came, and there was a, there was another fixture. Hull. Yeah, Hull, and we were demolishing sides and you know attacking wise we were brilliant. But then you'd get a side who'd come and try and have a go at you, and Liverpool could crumble. We see, we've even seen it at. Um, at the King Power with Leicester this year, where, where if it's not for a Simon Minule pen. That Liverpool could have thrown away what looked an unassailable lead. I don't really sit there watching Liverpool anymore, feeling that way. And at two 0 yesterday, when you referenced that three-two game, I thought, nah, not a chance, not with this side. Yeah, and I think it, after the game, really sort of pleases you just to see how how we kind of came out that little spell where we thought maybe Southampton might nick something out of it. And you know, I think it's always been talked about Liverpool are very good at sort of gifting goals, and you know, teams never really have to earn their goal. And I think. We kind of want to see players like our goalkeeper giving, sort of bailing out other players in little instances. So I think that Robertson example in the in the first half where Karras makes a really really good save, and it's just great to see that there's that solidity now, and we can we can sort of rely on on certain individuals to bail each other out. You know, sort of like De Gea does um, at Man United. It's it, I, I want to talk about the goalkeeper. I'm go, I think this is his first. Go to you first, Neil, on this. 
I think this is his first proper. He can mark a clean sheet in his diary and feel like he was integral to it. Um, it's I think it's a, I think it's a big deal that performance yesterday. I hope it is, but I think it is as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Fouad's right in, in terms of Liverpool made mistakes in that first half. Both fullbacks were caught too narrow, getting caught under the ball and, and exposed back post. And how many times we've we seen that Liverpool, you know, decent start, good position, and a, a simple header or a cross, and it, it cost them. And both times, Carius, you know. Not not spectacular, just just correct and and doing things right and not being you know not making an error, not not being beaten. Where you look at it and think that how's that gone in or you know could he have done a bit more? I liked I like his part in the first goal where he's he's distributing it quickly and he's throwing it out to, to Oxley Chamberlain. Shows that he's he's got his head clear or clearer than it than it certainly has looked in in previous games. It's got to help. It's it's got to help that if he's um, if he's a bit. More confident of his position because I, I personally think it was overplayed last season that he was picked as number one by Klopp. I, I don't, I'm not convinced he would have been, but for the broken hand, I think he would have given them both the preseason to show, and it would have been up to performances. But when he came in, he made them errors. Uh, Bournemouth, especially West Ham, yeah. I thought, which I actually thought West Ham was a worse or a poorer error than, than Bournemouth because it was so odd. Bournemouth, anyone can make a handle an error, but, but West Ham was odd, and then. He's had to come in this season for the odd game. I don't think that's ideal. Where you're thinking, you're almost hoping to have shots to to, to try and make yeah. you know, make things happen with. I think now he just looks like he's he's just part of the team now. He's just part of the the furniture, and he, he's just gonna hopefully continue giving good performances. I still think there's still he's got boxes to tick, but I hope he plays against Porto on on Wednesday because I don't I don't see any benefit in continually moving these goalkeepers around. I think we've already seen what it's done to Mignolet. We saw with the West Brom game what it's done to him. So I, I would keep him keep him out of the firing line now. My, yeah, I, I agree with that, by the way. I think I think you've just got to play carry us all the way through. Now, if this is your decision, I would say actually this is the first time I've actually had positive thoughts around the goalkeeper. Um, I think I think not, not, not that long ago I was maybe saying he was the worst sign the club's ever made. Um, <laughs> because I actually I couldn't find a single yeah. positive. I hadn't yeah. seen him save save a shot and that it was it was almost that basic that I felt there's literally nothing I like about this goalkeeper the last I'd, I'd almost include the Tottenham game as well I know he doesn't cover himself particularly in glory for Wanyama's goal but he does he does get some distance on it I think 99 out of 100 times he probably he, he, gets, he gets away with that a lot of the times um, but no I felt felt yesterday he's he's starting to enable I think him and, and Trent as well to be fair were starting to enable a, a number of Swift counter-attacking moves by just having the brains to release the ball quickly, and oh, oh, there was times in the game where I noticed he thrown it and, and it was intercepted by by Southampton. And I thought, well, actually, he's the the firepower we've got. You're gonna have to take them risks, yeah. and I don't think Mignolet was. He was almost too safe. Where with Carrius, um, you know, he was releasing it to Trent. Trent was finding Salah in well more space than he should have been in, but. It was interesting Klopp had, had sort of picked up on it um, that he was enabling this quick counter-attack and I wonder whether this is one of the goalkeepers are obviously now bought more from just goalkeeping you see the likes of Edison at City that they're being bought for enabling quick attacks quick thinking don't let the don't let the other side reset and for the first time I would say yesterday we've seen the real benefit of Carrius doing that I totally agree I thought I thought he was he was really good yesterday 
um, and the point's been made there. You know, sometimes you just need your goalkeeper in big moments in football matches to kind of pull you up the shit a little bit, and he and he does that on a couple of occasions. I think he takes the confidence he's gained from the Spurs match into that game as well, because I think. Paulie referenced the, the kind of semi-mistake, I suppose, uh, for the Wanyama goal. But around that that goal, um, I thought he was he was excellent in that Spurs game. He makes some really crucial saves. You know, the, the Son one, where he's kind of through one-on-one, where he knows he's going to get clattered, but he's off his line really quick. He does that again yesterday when that, that ball gets flo- floated over by Hoyt. And I think Holberg has the, has the shot, but he's on him in an instant. Mm. And I just think when you compare the two goalkeepers, and he can have a conversation around, you know, who's the better keeper, etc. But in terms of who suits this Liverpool team, who suits a Jurgen Klopp football team, then for me, there's absolutely no doubt that that Carius is, is that man in terms of Mignolet, uh, in terms of being over Mignolet. I think if you were asked to ask me right now, would I still want to look at a, a goalkeeper in the summer? Absolutely, yes. I think it's something that right here, right now, we still have to be looking to do in terms of business. But I enjoyed his performance yesterday, and I think in terms of of Mignolet, I'd stopped enjoying watching him in goal for Liverpool. You know, over the last, you know, three, four, five years, I think there's just been too many times where he, he's let us down. And listen, there's been some really kind of decent performances from him as well. Um, so I don't want to sound too unfair. But in no, terms the, of carriers, the, sample, the sample size is so much greater, isn't it? So you you know what's what can or there's been that many instances where Mignolet's let you down. Exactly, Paul. And, and Mignolet's not going to get any better. And I think. No. He knows his time's up now. And Neil, Neil's point before about the West Brom game is absolutely right. There's now no benefit to, to playing him again for me. You've got to give Carrius a run. You've got to do him a service now by saying, right, the rest of the season is yours. I think there's real kind of makings of a, a good understanding with his, with his kind of two centre-halves as well, although we, they changed that for yesterday's game. But you kind of sense that Van Dijk coming into the side helps that as well. Um, and I actually thought in, in, this, in the Spurs match, him, Lovren and Carrius were all communicating and, and looking much more of a, of a unit. And as I say, yesterday, he, he doesn't have anything to do in the second half, but all the things he does in the first half point to the fact that he now deserves a, a run in this football team and I hope he gets it. There was a, the club released a video last week of him. Uh, it was at, at home with Loris Carrius thing. And I just, you know, just had a baby, so I was <laughs> scouring YouTube and whatnot for, for anything football related to keep me sane. And uh, so I watched, I watched this clip on, on the club website and what surprised me about him he's so articulate and he, he was talking about how determined he was to make this work and you know the sort of mental battles he'd been through and what and whatnot but I, I was really it was really impressed by his, his manner and how he came across and how much he actually I think how, how much he believes in himself so there was a period where I was thinking you're just you're just another run in the milk keeper, but I think he's very aware that he's a very able goalkeeper, um, and that things haven't gone so well for him. But it, but his mindset very much seemed that he was determined to make things right, and I was pleased to hear it. Yeah, and I think going going along with that interview, I watched it as well, and and the thing that really I really enjoyed yesterday was seeing the control in which he played. You know, I've never played as a goalkeeper, but you can kind of see psychologically he's probably the most demanding position on the pitch, and you know. Having the ability to, to I mean, th- for instance, the save he made, uh, I think it was, I think it was the header, uh, Ward Prowse, and he, he was about to come out and punch the ball, and he just, he just stepped back just before he, he came out, and I think he just played with a level head, and I'm not sure if that's, that's, I'm sure that's his personality and, and the type of guy he is, but I think Van Dyke, as, as you mentioned before, I think he really, I think he's going to bring that sort of calm and, and uh, just level headedness to, to the whole unit defensively. I think you've got to remember as well, 
he, he, he's not come, he's not a superstar who Liverpool have signed. He, he's signed for the same price as Ragnar Klavan, virtually, you know, and he's come in. So he's obviously not the complete goalkeeper. He's not, you know, a, a, an established German international even. He, he's played for Mainz in, in Germany. So to expect him to, to be perfect was probably, un, well, was definitely unreasonable. I think what you've seen is the inconsistency that, that means that he played for Mainz, that means that he cost four and a half million pounds. That means that Liverpool were able to get him as well at that, that time. It wasn't going to one of the big boys, so I think it, it was always going to take a little bit of time for him. I agree with Paul in terms of I didn't see a lot of positivity in his first season at all. I thought even you know I think he came with a reputation as being really good with his feet, and I, I, I didn't see that one bit. He looks kicked it out for a corner from a goal kick, yeah, uh, which, well, is, I mean, which that, takes some doing. That, I mean, you that, try and do it. That'll go down as one of his greatest ever achievements <laughs> in his career, whatever he goes on to do at Liverpool. But I think. For, for a four million pound goalkeeper, he was taken as a, I think he was a bit of a punt, in my in my opinion. And I think the signs at the moment that he might just be be a Liverpool player for the future. I agree though with it with Ian that I think it's num- priority number one for me in the summer is Liverpool signing a goalkeeper. Is there is there something in you've all sort of talked discussed the mindset to some degree? Is there something in in the idea that he's that he gets to feel fully involved? In the game, mm. Ian, you know, so we're discussing the quick, quick throwouts and all that sort of stuff. That he, that what he wants to be is he actually wants to be the eleventh man on the pitch. And so this is, you know, when you're about the psychological, psychological angle. That if anything, almost first half, and you said before, it's almost like you're willing shots. If anything, first half, he's almost busy enough to to feel as though he is right and part of this here today. Yeah, I mean, he's busy. He's not too busy, but he's busy enough. He's doing some good stuff and all of that. Do you, do you think that's part of this? And then, and then, and then, you know, ball the ball out quickly, and that that keeps you switched on. That keeps you aware rather than being. The lads who's just there for when he gets called into action. I think that definitely plays a part. And I think you know Paul touched on it before. In terms of what you expect from a modern goalkeeper, the game's moved on hugely. You know we've seen the success that that obviously Edison's brought to the Man City team. And I think you're right. And you know it's been mentioned around that first goal where he's got that instinctive. His first thought is right. What am I doing with the ball now? Let's release it now. But that that won't always go right. Sometimes. Paul mentioned you take a gamble, you take a risk, it could get cut out, and then the Liverpool team sort of spring on them and try and win it back. But I think he is involved, and he feels like he's he's almost he is the start of the attack in many instances because you know that transition period where we want to go from from back to front very quickly, and he's he's very much part of that in terms of getting that ball out nice and quick, whether it be with his hands or with his feet. And I also think the fact that the managers come out and now said you are my number one now. From a player point of view, from an individual point of view, that must give you confidence. You must think, right, I've got an opportunity to in out to, to make this my my kind of claim for the first team uh, kind of spot. And who knows what will happen in the summer? But he's almost got nothing to lose for me now. He's just got these kind of runner games, whether it be Champions League or League, where he can just go out and we can see what he's about. And as I say, there's real kind of green shoots of recovery in that performance yesterday. And I am looking forward to watching him play again for us, hopefully on Wednesday night. There is there is a, a small benefit. Well, there is a massive benefit, actually, that I feel he's getting, which no one's really talking about. Is he's, he's the Liverpool goalkeeper who's got Virgil van Dijk in front of him now for, the, for, for a prolonged period. So... I would almost say he's under the the least pressure of any Liverpool goalkeeper in a while. I thought thought yesterday Van Dijk has got for the first time looked like the leader in the defence. Where I, I I was almost surprised that there was there was part of it in the Everton game where I thought so yeah you can see the leader in him. and then almost that he that he was just biding his time before he spoke up as a Liverpool player. But yesterday that there was the first real sign I felt I thought. Oh wow! This defence has got a leader. Someone who was—I I noticed there was a point where 
Van Dyke was five yards ahead of the rest of the back four, and all of a sudden they pushed out to him, and it, you could see who was who was orchestrating things for the first time. And I think Carius is I mean, he's not fortunate, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but it, there's there is a slight a slight benefit here for him the fact that Liverpool have now got someone who's stopping the chaos in front of them at the Rasburn. And and I think with that, I think it also it's also been benefiting the the lads in front of him. So the midfield three. I think really benefited from having. I, I don't think. I don't think Chan has really had a centre half behind him who's been who's been pulling him around, telling him to fill in here, telling him to fill in there. I mean, I noticed one point where um, Van Dijk was literally screaming at him just to come back into a little gap from a throw in, and you know Chan, as soon as he saw, he noticed he he filled in, and and that's the sort of thing that you want your centre halves to be doing. And and you know we've had Lovren sort of when he when he came in, he was thought to be the one that would. Would provide that leadership, and you know he struggled to do that. And you know Van Dyke's come in and mm. pretty much instantly earned the earned the respect to do that the, within the season. There was there was things just just little things I was picking up on there, like uh, so Van Dyke would shield an oncoming striker, and it was almost very last ditch with the goalkeeper to, to come and collect the ball that he'd that he'd stepped in front of, and you could almost see Van Dyke's bemusement about what was actually going on because you you do this in Sunday league, you know someone that step across the centre half and the goalkeeper comes and sweeps it up. That that's that's commonplace, but it's almost like he's he's reminding them how to defend and how the goalkeeper's meant to, to do these very basic things once again. It's it's brilliant. I I mean I, I could talk about Van Dijk's performance yesterday all day. I, I really, really enjoyed his second half performance. I know we were we weren't under any form of pressure whatsoever really, but there was just a, a silkiness about him for a centre half, a, a reassurance in his own ability that that yeah, that ball, I'll have that. You know, oh, that that's coming across. I'm going to step out, and then I'm going to go past you, and I'm going to I'm going to make a perfect pass. You saw every single bit of a 70, seventy-five million pounds centre half playing for Liverpool yesterday. Yeah, I love the step over as well when he got to the edge of the box. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Thought, I'm going to put this on my right foot. And I'm going to bend it in the far corner from twenty-five yards. But he looked like he was enjoying it as well. He, he, that's the. I know my colleague James Pierce spoke to him after the Tottenham game and. Gave him some quite explosive uh, stuff about Harry Kane, obviously. And <laughs> it was that was his first meeting with with Van Dyke, so it was like, what was he like? And he, I, I sort of said to him, I said, "Big fella." He was like, "Oh yeah, yeah big fella." He said, "I didn't. He didn't come across as I've as I've thought. He was going to be like a real order about him." He said he was just just quite a laid back guy. You know, he wasn't sort of like this this dominant figure that you you'd associated mm. with some of the Van Dyke stuff we'd, we'd yeah, we've, 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 we've almost pictured them as a god because yeah, we've like, like, like so a, much like for so like long. Ron Yates sort of character yeah. who's going to walk in and you know have, have a walk around him and that. But you said he was just quite laid back and quite quite you know seemed quite happy, which is not 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 a bad thing, is it? When you think of some of the stuff, Dejan Lover and Joel Matip. I thought on the contrast to. Um, to Van Dyke, I thought Matip was awful yesterday. Personally, I thought he certainly first half. I thought he was absolutely dreadful. He he managed to, to play one out. I think behind him. Where was, yeah. what, what are you doing? Did the same at Huddersfield, but then again, he steps into midfield a bit more confidence and, and sets up a chance. Albeit, you know, it wasn't exactly put on a plate for Salah and Firmino. But I still think there's there's a slot up for grabs as a, as Virgil's partner personally, and I wouldn't say either of them have uh, have, have put the names forward yet. I, I kind of agree with that. I think in terms of Van Dijk, he does lose class, and it's a, it's a joy to kind of watch him play. And nearly all point there, nothing seems to phase him. He no, just doesn't no. seem bothered. I mean, you you see other players return to former clubs, and 
I don't think Southampton were the most vociferous I've ever seen them yesterday, but you can see how it gets in players' minds sometimes. And he got it, pushed it, over, it, didn't he, in the second half towards like the left back, and he just sort of bounced up as if like he, he, what, he what? just looked like he was going through the game, chuckling and laughing to himself, <laughs> saying, yeah, "I'm not the last." He this was, at all. you know, it's, it's, exactly. You know, this doesn't bother me at all. If you think this faces me, you know, you've got another thing coming. But he's the, he's the winner, and the, the yeah. thing is, Southampton can scream and shout at him all they like. We've, you know, have, I said about Javier Mascarano on a show the other week. I, I, I. I was so upset when Mascarano left, but when he leaves Barcelona, they're showing you there's what three European cups, there's eight leagues, and yeah. Liverpool have won a Carling Cup or something since he's gone. And you he go, can't, he can't yeah, who's the, win- yeah. who's the winner here? Yeah. And they stopped s- booing him by the end as well. They yeah, didn't even bother. Bored of it, and I think <laughs> no the point before was right about. No, he's not just controlling the back four, he's shouting at his midfield as well. It's, it's yeah. that old Patrick Vieira thing. No matter how good you are as a midfield player, sometimes you've got no idea what's going on behind yeah. you. And he'd regularly say to a centre half, listen, don't worry about it. If I'm out of position, you tell me. You tell me where to go, you tell me where to move. I can see everything in front of me, but I can't see what's going on behind me. And Van Dyke does that, and, it, and yeah. he, he, he kind of transmits it through the team. So massively impressed with him again. I felt he's starting to really put a marker down. I agree with the point about the centre halves. I think if I was looking towards Wednesday's game, and I know we'll come on to it in a bit. For me, I'd go with go with Lovren. I'm, yeah. I'm not similar to Paul. I'm not Matip's biggest fan. I'm not Lovren's biggest fan. If I'm, if I'm yeah. being totally honest, I think there's um, there's absolutely room for an upgrade on, on both centre halves. But there was the, the makings of a decent partnership. I thought with Lovren and Van Dijk, and I'd like to see him explore that a bit more. Yeah, yeah. I think with with Lovren, it, it brings a bit more balance in the partnership. Uh, I, I've seen it kind of widely said that the, the the Van Dijk kind of signing feels more like a Matip upgrade than anything else, and I think. He, Lovren did, you know, he has been kind of had a lot of uh, stick for the for the Spurs game where where he I think I think deflected off him for the goal or the penalty and he um, other than that he he was very dominant. I mean, in the air he won everything. The fact that Harry Kane was as quiet as he's ever been, I think, just goes to show. Especially on the back of of what in the reverse fixture, I, I thought Lovren coped with it really well, and I was quite I was. I was almost upset about him slicing through that ball for him on a personal level because I thought mentally he battled and won. You know, against Harry Kane, there was bits in the air where he wasn't getting anywhere near it at Wembley, but at Anfield, he was he was on top. He was letting them run into channels and sort of seeing them off. And I thought, yeah, looks good. That I think, he, and I thought, oh, Klopp will settle with that. And he, d- he didn't play him in this game, much to me. Uh, do you think, do you think he was left out for Porto, though? Quite possibly. I, I, I mean, Klopp was, so Klopp was saying in his press conference that, yeah, well, there could be all of that. But Klopp was saying in his press conference, you know, I'm taking one game at a time. But obviously, the Jordan Anderson thing is obviously because Emery Chan's banned, doesn't even make the squad. He didn't want any need to use him whatsoever. So maybe, but then again, I don't. I don't want a situation where, which we've had with the goalkeepers, where no one knows if he starts. I, I want to see a settle back for. There is though on Lovren. Come to you, Neil, on this. There, there is a thing around both Lovren and Matter to be, to be to you know to, to lay it out there where they they are pro to picking up odd little injuries yeah, here and there, absolutely. and it may well be that you know at times I've looked at it and thought Dejan Lovren three games in a week. I'm not sure, yeah. and it may well be that he's looked at that and he's thought, you know what, I'm. I'm, I'm protecting. I'm, I've got. I'm going to protect this lad here. That could be in this thought process. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with Van Dyke not necessarily being straight at match fitness and and, and able to to go there. But I, I I would probably go with Lovren as well on 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 Wednesday night. I think he um, he's so weird. His new Lovren, like in terms of not not in a personality sense, in a sense that he's had a good season. 
with the lowest of the lows in the middle of it as well. Like, you know, it's just as bad is so bad, but his general play is good. You know, he's he's generally a decent defender. I think I think he's excellent, he's just, Neil, until he's not. Do you know, yeah, yeah, that, that's that, it. That, no, that's, that, that's a good that point, is Dejan Lovren for me, and mm. that you see that a lot with goalkeepers and whatnot. You go, oh, he's brilliant, and then he he makes a clanger. So. One brings two. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly. What it is with him, and that, that, that's that's my thing. I don't ever think Dejan Lovren's terrible in general play until he's made a personal yeah. error. But the same with Matip. I don't. I don't. I don't see Matip as being so much more reliable than him. I think he looks quite good when he's playing well. And Huddersfield, you know, I think he had the record number of passes in the game because Huddersfield went home. I think after 15 minutes and, and didn't even try and press Liverpool, so he just had the ball. But I don't see. I don't see him doing things as a defender where you go, wow, that was. Mm. That was probably you know he was there. The ball came in and he went and won it because you could see him. I think I think you see Lovren do that more than he does. You see Van Dijk do. It's like a magnet when yeah. the, when a ball comes in off a set you, piece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd say they Van Dijk and Lovren much more aggressive than say Matt. Yeah. But what I would say about Matt that I, I do think maybe it's un, kind of overlooked a little bit. I think he does like to fizz balls into the midfield yeah. and and the forwards, Definitely which which kind of breaks lines a little bit. Lovren doesn't really do yeah. an awful lot of that for me, and I think if there's games where you kind of want your centre-half to be kind of more involved in coming out and bringing a ball and pinging balls in through those gaps in midfield and Matip's more about doing that. Paul's point there is interesting about Lovren because I think he's so capable of having 9 out of 10s but then he's capable of having that yeah. 3. And I used to think that about Saka as well when Saka was here. He could yeah. be a 9 in any one given game and the next minute he delivers a 3 and you think, what's going on yeah. there? So there's that inconsistency thing that I think hangs over the, the pair of them which is why you know there's a question for the manager to see whether he, he maybe looks at Gomez next season or does he actually go out and, and bring another one yeah. to the football club? It'd I, be interesting. I think as well, it's almost the manager... He's hanging himself a little bit of love. If he if he picks Lovren and Lovren has another Lovren, it's like it's like it's like, well you've had so many warnings and then it looks worse and worse. I think the same with Mignolet. It's mm. like you know how many chances do you give? But he might not. You know he might he might just be fine alongside Van Dijk. That might be the making of him as a defender. It's it's a risk and reward thing. I I think I still think there's a. There'll be lots of chopping and changing between those two in the next next twelve games or so. But I'd like to see Lovren given his chance on on Wednesday night at least. I I, I wonder if if there might be one or two home games towards the end of the season where you maybe see Gomez if clients back. Uh, it might be that that's where that you might just um, too much almost like um, it was it the year where Carragher went centre half for the last last four last games, four, four or five games. Yeah, it was uh, the the defence. Uh, I I don't know whether we just played too many games now, but. When, sort of when I was growing up and whatnot, you always you you go you're it, it's the back five and then what's in front of them and I, I don't see this really at, at many clubs now. But the one thing I will say is the clubs that seem to be successful are the ones that seem to have a set of back five. So you look at Tottenham in recent years, you could go well, yeah, it's Lloris in goal. It was Kyle Walker, Danny Rose, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, and then it's oh, it's, it's it's felt a bit for Tottenham. Why oh yeah, Vertonghen's out again? There, there was this they're playing Kevin Vimmer there, who's not quite at the same level. So I think if, if we were talking about the importance of, of the business in the summer being attaining the goalkeeper, but I also think either we settle on the centre-half between now and the end of the season, I, I don't think it's going to be Joe Gomez. I've just got this feeling where he might have been put to right back now for, for, for maybe even the rest of his career um, under Jürgen Klopp anyway. I, I can see a centre-half again being one of the, the main targets for the summer. Yeah, and I think... I think definitely there's there's room for for a, cent, a starting centre half alongside Van Dijk and and I don't think you're doing too bad if you're having Lovren as your your sort of third third centre half coming in in rotation or, or what whatever but I think the preseason would be massive in terms of finding that partner for Van Dijk if 
if we're sticking with with Lovren and Matip and um, with Joe Gomez you, you kind of see the makings of a real quality centre-half I, I don't think there's there's too much to say about his defensive side he has been he has been suspect a couple of times with a few balls coming across and and that but he he, he does seem like he could be a, a real good fit alongside Van Dijk but then again I think um, I think when Klein comes back probably still see the rotation between them two um, and by the way li- listening to you talk to all of this I'm, if I'm a, if I'm Ranjol Klav and I'm desperate to play right side and centre half and trade in matches yeah. <laughs> and yeah. say I, I can do this side as well if you want Gavin <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll, I'll do you a little bits and pieces here thought Oxley Chamberlain Neil was I feel a bit sorry for him at the minute in that he has the great performance against City but to me he seems like the real the biggest victim of the Coutinho situation since then he's only been used mostly off the bench to come in and play in the front three and not in midfield he got his got his opportunity back in midfield there uh, against Southampton and he, he to me he wasn't quite wasn't quite as uh, the level he had been he looked like a lad who, who, who hasn't had enough football but when the manager talks about things like not in rhythm that was what I was saying yeah yeah I, I don't know about Oxlade Chamberlain it's one of them he's just an inconsistent player isn't he he, he always has been really he's a he's not someone who you'd go has particularly great runs of form he just sort of has great games and moments and efforts in, in games and I'm still not convinced about him as a midfielder he was brilliant against City it really was and you can't argue with that and you know, I have I have a couple of mates who, who are big fans of him, and, and every time he does anything in a game, I get a text that just an ox, <laughs> a, you know, an emoji of an ox. But it's it, that that's still all he does for me. It's still I don't think he's particularly good in tight areas. I don't think he's pretty good in one twos or that kind of situation. He needs space to run into. He needs you know the game to to be set for him. I don't yet see him as a mid a starting midfielder week in, week out. I see him as a good a very good squad player to come on in games or to, to play in a rotation for one of the wide players, possibly for Mane in, in, in some games to come. But still, yeah, I thought he, he just he looked a bit he looked a bit Oxley Chamberlain yesterday, that to me, you know, he, from the height to, to the sort of the the net. I thought I thought one of the things as well in it, and I thought Milner impressed when he came on. I thought he was you, you, you felt Milner was very very involved. Uh, you thought Lallana looked lively when he came on. It seems to me it's a bit of a it in 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 the in the context of sort of seeing everyone against those opponents. I mean I, I, I'm perfectly happy to see Oxley Chamberlain get chances between now and the end of the season, but it's it is. He's 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 gonna he's gonna have to grab them. He's got eleven more games that he can pop. Well, Champions League aside, he's got eleven more games he can play in for Liverpool this season. He's going to get those opportunities, but he'd, I'd like to see him run with it a bit more. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think in terms of the, the inconsistent points about him, I don't think it helps when he's coming in and out of the team. He, he strikes me as a player who needs the belief of the manager. He needs to be playing regular football to most find his rhythm, and he is coming in and out of the team a little bit. And, and there will be a time for him to adjust to, to playing under this manager as well. I think we all kind of thought after the City game, right, he, he's kind of found this manager and he's just going to go on this massive, brilliant run now. But he comes out the team, which I don't think helps. But he's been under Wenger for a long, long time. And I think under that manager, he was with a, a kind of a manager who didn't really trust him, didn't really believe in him. Always took him out in the big moments. We'll play him in some games, take him out the team. So I think a longer run benefits him. But, but it's difficult because I think... We speak about Milner there. I think there's certain games that suit certain footballers. Milner comes on yesterday. I think it suited him absolutely perfectly. When he played against Spurs, that felt to me like a game that wouldn't suit him. To be fair, he proved me wrong for the first hour. He goes, that's a good game. So I think the manager will just look at it game by game and think, right, there's games that will suit certain footballers. I think ideally we're still missing someone in that 
that kind of midfield three maybe who's a bit more creative than what we've currently got it all feels a little bit horses for courses at times and a lot of the lads are facilitators to doing the same things but they're not actually kind of doing anything a little bit special a little bit kind of off the cuff and I think that's something that hopefully doesn't kind of cause us too much of an issue but I think in certain games you mentioned Neil and your agenda a lot of games that we've got coming up at home and against sides who you know they're in the bottom kind of half the league they could come in they could be passive they could sit in not offer much you're looking at your midfield three there and thinking right who's going to be the guy who can kind of take hold of this game and, and feed those front three players so interesting yeah and, and with that I, I mean we talked about Ox coming in in, in front three as well but you, you just don't feel he has that same sort of quality uh, or the ability to kind of link up um, with the other two because I mean we look at the way Salah and, and Firmino kind of link up the both goals you just feel Ox isn't quite at that level in terms of in terms of his attacking play and, and in the midfield he has that ability to to drive and, and the passing ability in terms of feeding in these front three players is definitely there um, one thing I would say is it felt like a game where where Danny Ings would have been a really really good substitution <laughs> especially I think towards the end I think he took off Salah uh, and brought Lovren on I would have <laughs> I think maybe that was to it's just on the wire yeah. <laughs> um, it, it might have been it might have been a game really to bring on to bring him on because it really wasn't anything going to happen in terms of a, a chance just to give, give him a run yeah and if he's going to get some more minutes in the next few games then would have been a real good opportunity to get some under his belt well there's just on that though when we're talking about that and it's, it's, it's come to me whilst we're talking it's not written down anywhere Paul we talk about this front three and at the minute one of the conversations we're having is Sadio Mane's form's not quite where we want it to be although I thought he was he was, he was doing some things I liked uh, against Southampton but this is a really hard front three to come in and play with you know mm. the level that you've got to be at and that you, all season when we've been watching Solanke maybe you'd be in hindsight maybe our criticism of him is almost a bit harsh because these lads, that front three, they're absolutely mustard. They yeah. are absolutely brilliant. The idea you can just slot into that, into that level of understanding, into those blind passes, those passes around the corner, knowing someone's going to be there. That's that, that that is not an easy front three to come in and just and just be part of overnight. No, being being at that level at any football club is is a difficult task. And then coming in when you when you're replacing one of that three in that system where there's almost a, a sort of telepathy between them is an, it's nearly the impossible job, especially if you're a, a young 20-year-old centre-forward who's not got much Premier League experience. So sympathising with players like Solanke and, and Danny Ings, who's you know returning from long-term injury, not, not really had a run at this club at, at all, despite the fact he's been here for so long. Um, so yeah, no, it it is. It's a very difficult job. I was watching um, the Manchester City Leicester game on uh, Saturday night, and I, I there was I've had this feeling for a while, but I honestly think Vardy would be one of the players who who could come into the side and sort of make a difference in in terms of the way we play. You know, he's one of them fellas who only needs one chance, and you see Leicester basically get the one chance the other day, and and Vardy Vardy slots the. There's not many. There's not many footballers in Europe. I don't think who who could improve that front three. But I think as another option, someone who can who who it doesn't take three or four goes. Who who can just who can run the line on his own almost. You know, if it's not working for Mane as we've seen in previous games, or you know, Salah's not having one of one of these days. He he quite frequently has. Um, I think Vardy could be almost like a great. Foil, almost you could almost drop Firmino into a number ten, go four two three one, and then left left Vardy operate almost in his own. He, I'm sure there's there's much nicer humans across world football that you could almost find. Um, 
<laughs> an equivalent you, you, you're to discussing the characteristics. That's the characteristics. Yeah. That should be but what I'm saying is, I think someone who can who can do that job where they can almost act as an independent amongst that uh, that three, if it's not working, is the only cure if it's not working on that day the easier way the easier way to do that one of the things that was striking me when I was watching it Neil is where do you defend against them where do you put your line because if you sit yeah. they can they can all score from 20 yards they can also they're more than capable of running past you in tight spaces I mean they don't always do it we saw it against Swansea some days they won't play well yeah. some days it won't quite come together but I, you know, but you push up and they're going to kill you. I was just watching it go and I've got no idea really now if they're going to all have eight out of ten games or two of them have as an eight out of ten game. What 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 do you do if you're if you're trying to defend it? Yeah, you you have to have a lot of luck. I think I think that the accepted way is to go deep. I think that's the best way because I still think the more likely, the less likely sorry, to score from outside the box. This team, especially the Liverpool midfield, I don't I don't see anyone yeah. chance chance showing a couple of times that he can do it but I don't I don't see I'd rather them shooting from there than, than Salah with space to run into behind but Salah's just he's just he's so good I, 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 I say that as a massive fan of Firmino Salah's just a game changer for Liverpool because he, he it, it doesn't bother him nothing ever bothers him you know you see strikers and Michael Owen used to have it where if Michael Owen was on a bad run you knew Michael Owen was on a bad run you yeah. see every time yeah. he went through you'd think Nah, not scoring. Get a penalty, put it down. He's not scoring this one because he's, his head's gone. Salah, he can miss ten, ten chances in, in in a row, and you, you know he'll score the eleventh because he'll just he'll just do exactly what he would have done the first time. You know he doesn't doesn't seem to have any sort of a, a, a mental block at the moment. He's just playing with that that freedom that can only come with with knowing that you you're in great form. And when you've got Firmino there, I mean Firmino, you talk about the. I swear it was, I mean, so he's, a, he's an echo columnist, so I shouldn't really be nah, nah, getting stuck into But John Aldridge, you need a 30 goal a season striker when Salah's on 29 now and Firmino's on 20. <laughs> John, you're six months late, mate. You know, you need to, you need to, you need to have a look. But you think he's, he's doing that and everything else. And those, those sneaky blindside presses that he does where he, he, he sort of he lets the midfielder engage the player and then he, he like creeps up behind him and nicks his wallet out the other side of his pocket. You know, that, that's... It's so important, and it allows Liverpool and Salah and people like that to just go and just know that it's gonna be it's gonna be all right. The ball will get there if it doesn't get there this time, it'll get there next time. And those two are just absolute dynamite. And, and we're talking about Mane being off form. He's still got nine goals this yeah. season. He's still you know some memorable moments in the season. He'll still come good again. He looks like he's he, he looks to me like he's. I wish I was playing as well as those two. Like I'll try and try and do this, and ugh, I'm not because he was it. the catalyst, wasn't yeah. he? He was the one that everyone looked at. I almost feel like he, he he's had to become like the small the small yeah. fish, and it's not suited him a little bit. Where I think the ego thing almost yeah, helped the decoy, yeah, almost. But, <laughs> but there was a period, you know, in January, you're talking, oh, Liverpool haven't got Mane, and I think Mane was sitting there buzzing off that. Where this year, you know, the, the wealth's been spread so much that it it might have even affected his confidence. I think as well in terms of. Salah and Firmino, their kind of reputation goes before them now as well because yeah. you can see it in players' heads before they've even started the game. I mean, Wesley Hoyt goes into that game and has the worst five minutes of his life. <laughs> you know, his head just goes in the face. He doesn't know what's going on. He, he's just panicking and every single time the ball goes anywhere near the box and he's all over the show, he gets away with one when he kind of puts his hand on Firmino's shoulder. He yeah. kind of goes down a little bit too easy. But even then, he, I'm, I'm thinking, they're all over the show here. And then obviously the goal comes from, you know, Ox's ball. And again, he's just panicked. He doesn't know where Salah is. Um, before he knows anything, the ball's in the back of the net. And that that first goal, I mean, 
the, the, the kind of telepathic understanding. Salah doesn't even really look to see where for me. He just knows that you know good players know where good players yeah, are going to be, and he just kind of plays that ball almost blind side. And the finish, it's underrated because you're thinking about the second goal and all that kind of surrounds that in terms of that brilliant understanding between two players at the absolute top of the game. But that first finish from Firmino, it's just so nonchalant. We're taking it with his left foot. I mean, McCarthy in goal doesn't even get a sniff of it before he's even thought about diving. It's in the back of the net. I was screaming for him to leave it to Mane because I thought Mane was coming onto it on his right foot and I thought, oh, you don't... That's Firmino's... It's awkward on his lefty. That's just the confidence for you. If you, if you. if you believe in yourself, you'll take that first time and it'll go in the bottom corner every time. I think I think the, you did the point before about... Um, how just set up against them? I I I feel like it's you know the the managers are almost like do you know when you play chess and you you mate says oh it's checkmate then you go no he's got me there he's got me there he's got me there I think I think these managers must be looking at that going what do I do do I play a lopsided defence with a with a sweeper you know to cover to cover every eventuality oh and then I've got to think about us actually being in the game somewhat so I've dealt with their their attack but actually I've got seven lads there playing in a wavy line we're 18th we need to win we're at home yeah exactly and it's 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 almost impossible the um the, the thing the thing with Salah is I just don't know how anyone plays him because there's lads there's lads talk about Vardy before you know don't give Vardy space in behind okay put four lads behind him yeah you, you might have you might have counteracted them there Salah you see him the goal he scores at, at Tottenham I'll just dance around you you know the first half Trent's putting them balls down the side what what do you do how, how do you how do you stop it there's no space in behind for that second goal yesterday really is there that's that's from that's a five-yard start, and he's he's got in a, a clean clean through on goal with a one-two round. So you've almost got to abandon worrying about offside and stuff like yeah. that. The, 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 the headaches Liverpool must be must be causing are incredible. Yeah, I mean the the way he kind of manipulates the ball, he's sort of now getting that treatment you kind of see Messi and and Ronaldo and these sort of players get in Europe, where the way the kind of defenders literally stand off. And I saw a couple of times yesterday where, I mean, he was dribbling and. There were, there were two two defenders around him and they, they both literally just completely step back and they're just sort of waiting for him to either take a, a poor touch. There's, there's no real kind of proactive defending in terms of in terms of trying to go into the tackles because you just push it around you. There was, a, there was a real ballsy move yesterday from Klopp as well, which which I think, if, you, if you're ever going to look back on a Jürgen Klopp here, these are the little decisions I think he makes where you can go, oh, I really enjoyed him. You're playing against Ryan Bertrand on his side there. Yes, he's a tremendous attacking threat. And within about five minutes, you realise that Salah's been told, don't worry about tracking him. Mm. And you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold there, who's a, who's a kid, he probably isn't a right-back, not the, not the most perfect defensive full-back in, in the world. And he's gone, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? They'll worry more about you than we will about yeah, them, and that, that, that's an attitude thing yeah. there, that which is which is an elite club attitude thing. So Cristiano Ronaldo, don't you don't you worry about Jordi uh, Alba or, yeah. or whatever you know? Well, that was exactly, let him worry yeah. about you. That was, I mean, if you see the Wayne Rooney interview when he talks to, to Carragher yeah. and Wayne Rooney, obviously you know he was an elite football footballer. But he was being asked to do other things, to, almost to cover Ronaldo's work rate. Mm. But he didn't mind because he was that good. Well, we want him fresh in the final third every single time we've got the ball. And you can see there's a little bit of that about Mohamed Salah now, where other players are willing to do the extra yard because you want him absolutely in the zone when, we, when well, we've got the ball in the final the, third. He's the key to their success, <laughs> almost. Yeah, we, want, we want to win the game, we'll have the largest scores of goals. Yeah. I, I, want to, I want to go to Liverpool and win trophies, but do you know what? I'll, I'll, put, I'll, I'll sacrifice my own ego a little bit because he is really the key to it. I sort of remember an interview with um, Rob Lee, he used to play for Newcastle, and he was talking about Ginola, and he said, they signed Ginola and he said, a couple of training games. 
said he wasn't the right back. They were overloading on the le- on Newcastle's left back. So the reserves, I think it was. He said a couple of the players went to Keegan and said, "Look, he's not tracking, you know." But John Beresford has got two to deal with, and he said so. He said we'll do a bit more. Then he said he'll win us the league if if you know if we get the ball to him enough. And that's you know. <laughs> Doesn't sound nice if you're one of the players who isn't the player who's going to win you the league, but it's the truth, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter if if James Milner has to shuttle across a bit more or Emery Chan's, you know, can't can't get his boots off his feet at the end of the game because chances are Mo Salah and Roberto Firmino have done the business and they've won. And I think it kind of goes back to the whole Mane thing because there were times where it was a bit of a four-four-two and you could just see him doing most of the grafting and having to tuck in, and Salah and Firmino kind of left. Uh, to scurry around and try and nick the ball off players, and then that quick ball down, down from Trent or even Oxley Chamberlain yeah. for the for the first goal, it was just to un- unlock them. And I think when you have a player in that sort of form, you have to try and do as much as you can to get him in those sort of positions. There was, there was a, I'm not really a, a big stats sort of guy, but there was, I, I quite like them maps where it shows you at the end of the game where everyone's position was throughout the game. I don't know what the technical term for them is. Keep map. Uh, average position. Average, average, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can just see Salah, it's almost like right-sided, but almost five, seven, eight yards further on than anyone else. You know, his role, and we sort of see this, Neil, and doing the, the Roto League stuff and his contributions, his role is now simply put the ball in the back of the net, take on defenders, enable the other two lads that you're playing up front with, and don't worry about anything else behind you. He's a striker who plays from the right, and it's, it's, it's not it's, it's it's a flip version of Henri. Yeah, I was going to say Henri, Henri's the yeah. only sort of well, he's the obvious example of someone who pulls from one side and just is absolutely devastating. I don't I don't actually think yesterday was Salah's greatest game. I think no. he was afforded opportunity to have a greatest game. But this is this is a as you say about Michael Owen. The flip side of Michael Owen is Michael Owen could could have just had games like yeah. that where mm-hmm. there wasn't much on for him but he was just so much better than everyone else on the pitch that he gets his goal he gets an assist and you come off going I thought you know Owen contributed but he wasn't great that, that, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. that, that's, that's the level well, he's at and this is one of the reasons why I actually think for instance he's gonna, he, he might well outscore Suarez 13-14 this yeah. season but they're not that, that drill's got very very loud there very industrial <laughs> today this uh, is not a drill this is no, uh, <laughs> There is, there is something though where there's not a showiness about it. The Spurs goal aside, it's not like loads of this stuff is. Oh, he's been, he was unreal today. He's done, done this, did this. Did you remember when he did that? Oh my God! There's not really a ton of that. But I, I almost, I mean this as a massive compliment. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's there's it's pure uh, business, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's there's an economy about the whole thing. There is a you know there's yeah. there's a, we're going to make this work about the whole thing. The, before you know where you're at, the ball in the be in the back of the net, and as you say, he's got one goal and one assist, and you're able to sit around and go. Well, I'm not sure he was absolutely brilliant. Well, I've got that. That is that is literally the job description. When we had when we had the four of them, they seemed equally as happy as as laying one on for the other lad. There's there's I'm sure I'm sure in Mo Salah's mind now. I think it's got to a point where he's going win the gold boot in my first season here and I, I'm starting to feel like you know you see him take the occasional penalty you know a 2 and 3 now and he's, you know that's in his mind he, he wants to if, I mean if he beats Harry Kane this season to that to that golden boot that is some achievement but you can just see you know with Firmino and you can see it with Mane and even Coutinho to a sense there was there's a sense of happiness oh, mm. look at what we've done we'll go, go and do our dance together or whatever this, this is it's 
brilliant for the future of the club. It's just on the future of the club, then the significance of the result given the other matches. Manchester United dropping points against Newcastle was 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 terrific to see. Good old uh, good game of football as well, actually. Uh, I loved I loved the two or three late goal mouth scrambles. If you didn't see it, uh, there was there was a, a, some classic old style goal mouth scramble action, uh, which which really really entertained me. And you could you could hear the crowd giving it the big one when it got cleared because it's uh, it, it, there was there was some clearances that were like goals. I think uh, Lejeune blocks one or something and you can hear as they boot it away they celebrate it like a goal you you don't see that much anymore it was brilliant it was great Uh, obviously great for Liverpool and it's always nice when Man United don't win anyway full stop and also you've seen Arsenal drop points and realistically put themselves out of the running for for a top four finish Neil just quite quickly really We've got a good. We talked about our record against markedly weaker opposition on the road this season. We have had some sloppy draws, but we've got eleven games to go, and only nine of them are against. Uh, sorry, and only two of them. So there's, there's a remaining nine that are against our rivals. I mean, I'm not saying we're absolutely in the box seat for this, not quite yet. But we we, we can't have asked any any more of ourselves. We put ourselves as close to in there as we can do, certainly given the results prior to the, the Tottenham game at Wembley. Yeah, definitely. Um... I, we get the uh, we always get the betting through after every every round of games. So honest, halfway through the round of games, we'll get top four odds off uh, of the various bookmakers. And Liverpool are, are right in there, second second to only to United, taking City out of the equation, obviously. So you look at the problems Chelsea have got there under pressure. They're playing tonight, should win, but then played Bournemouth last week and lost. So all of a sudden Chelsea are, are under pressure. All of a sudden you can write Arsenal off. Arsenal going, they've got to go. A title winning form. Well, they, they, well, they've got to, well, they're not going to do that. They've got to go all out for the Europa League, haven't they? Arsenal, they've just got to, yeah. they've got to put all their eggs in that basket. Tottenham, they've got Juventus, got a two-legged tie with Juventus. They've never been anywhere in the Champions League, really. So, if they were to get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, would Tottenham be able to to resist and and, and prioritise a league game for next season, Champions League, if they've got a Champions League quarterfinal already at Wembley? So, I, I still think they've got issues to to face. I don't think United are very good. I really don't think United are a very good team, so I don't see why they should be nailed into the top four, only that they've got Mourinho and, and they've spent a lot of money on Sanchez. I still think they're a pretty average team, as Newcastle showed yesterday. So, Liverpool have got as good a chance as anyone. Liverpool can finish second, comfortably, in my opinion, and they, you know, they've got to go to United, I think, March the 3rd. No, March the 10th, they've got to go to United. So, go there... Why, why, why couldn't Liverpool go and win at Old Trafford and, and, and put them under pressure? Never mind Liverpool being worrying about top four. Why not? Why not Chelsea, United, and Tottenham? And the, the point of being in the top four, Fouad, is that you get you get your you, you, a European campaign. We go to Porto this week, and the first thing that strikes me is I'm, this is a million, million, million miles away from a straightforward game. I think for Liverpool because. Porto have got tons of European experience. They, they, they get around this phase every single year. They know what it is. That you know, and the other thing to watch out for are the good players who are used to getting results as well. But I think the other thing, the last thing on all of this, is they're also able to play Liverpool in the way that best suits getting results. So if we go to Bayern Munich, the, the expectation is that the Bayern Munich players will be on top. They'll have the ball. They'll run the game, and Liverpool go as the underdogs. Porto are able to play here as you know what we'll be we'll act act like we're second best act is the key word because we think we can get ourselves a result yeah and I think um, I think they're actually unbeaten in the Portuguese league from what I remember and so obviously a quality side and I think it's they're definitely not going to be an easy kind of walk walk through so we this game uh, just yesterday I think it's sort of the perfect performance and I guess style of style of play you want before a big European tie because I don't think we we kind of used up that much energy. We we weren't full throttle, full out attack. Though there was a lot of sort of 
counter-attacking, compact shape sort of play. So I think if we... Anything... As long as we go there and we, we can... We can come away with a victory in any shape or form. I think sets it up perfectly at Anfield. Yeah, I haven't done my homework yet, so I don't know how they got on this weekend. It doesn't change what I'm about to say. Then they've conceded ten goals in the league this season, Porto, but they conceded eleven in the Champions League group stages, which to me suggests that they're not getting tested in the league, and that when they do face a better quality of opposition, they're not quite at the level. Mm. And you see Bayern Munich when they get to the business end of the Champions League. I think they sometimes struggle when teams are actually good and actually have a go at them and they've been walking through the Bundesliga for a year mm-hmm. so I think if Liverpool I think Liverpool can potentially get this game won on Wednesday night get this tie won sorry on Wednesday night they can win any tie 3-4-0 away I, th- I think it's about how they approach the game and how long it takes them to figure the game out because I think they'll 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 start from a basis of respect to Porto and okay but away from home a draw is not a terrible result in any any shape but if they figure that out in 10 minutes they're actually you know what these aren't that good this this Abubakar that they're talking about he's not actually going to worry us they don't have a lot in midfield or they, they have a few weaknesses of fullback or whatever they're attacking fullbacks so if they can work that out in 10 minutes I, I honestly think Liverpool could, could win this tie comfortably in the first leg almost and have a, have a, a nice one but it's whether it's whether they're they're able to play the occasion the way that they need to I think that's spot on if you look at Porto's kind of league form they've won 9 out of 10 games so you'd think wow they're going to be some force yeah. but I think you're right if I think Besiktas went there in the Champions League and beat them on their own, they, on their they, own they, were it, they were losing a game as well recently and it was abandoned because of, uh, because of crowd safety they were, they, were, they were about to lose their unbeaten record at half time well yeah. I think you're right I mean top of the leagues so you've got to give them respect I totally agree um, but I don't think they'll have faced anything quite like our forward line if he does go with the traditional front three it'd be interesting to see what Klopp does with the team he's obviously got a decision to make around what he does with the midfield because Emery Chan's not going to be in it now is Lallana at, at kind of peak fitness where he could come in and play 60-70 minutes I think I'd like to see him in there if he was um, but there's been question marks around his fitness over the over recent weeks so it's going to be really really interesting but I agree with you Neil it, it, Liverpool kind of almost playing the occasion because I think in terms of Ability-wise, from what I've seen of Porto, yes, they're a good side, but I absolutely think this Liverpool team could go there and, and potentially wrap it up. And then that that knock-on effect that then, if you can have a really, really strong result, it plays into what you do with those league games, certainly against Newcastle, which I think is the game just before we, we play Porto at home. And maybe he's afforded to kind of go full strength in that game as well because those league games against West Ham and Newcastle, you know, you can see a scenario where you go into United, Old Trafford and if you win there, you're going above them in the yeah. league, which makes that huge. So if we could go there and, and kind of win by a couple of goals, which feels like a big ask, but it's not out of the question with this team, um, then it, it could be huge going into the second leg. Yeah, and you know, you talk about what they've got, well, they've, they've got to be very wary of, of what we've got. You know, you talk about Sabubakar, well, there's... Is Salah, is Roberto Firmino who scored, but he's got eight, eight goals in the group stages, or you know he's got eight Champions League goals so far. The, I think the point you, you make on whether they're being tested in in their league is is true of a, a lot of a lot of a lot of sides in 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 Europe. We spoke we spoke about on the European show on on tour player about Bayern Munich are often. The uh, the main example, but they're now being a little, they're, they're winning the league now by miles. But earlier on in the season, they felt like they were being tested by the emergence of the likes of Leipzig and Hoffenheim, Leverkusen are back. 
Dortmund are still a decent side, but also the Italian sides, you know, Napoli in Serie A. You've got, you look at Roma, what they're going to do with Chelsea. So these sides are now being tested more frequently domestically than they have done in the past. I don't really think that's happening in the Portuguese league. Sport and Lisbon aren't really the sides that they, ha- that they have been. Benfica, well, Benfica lost their manager to, to Sport and Lisbon. Yeah, they Benfica lost, six, lost all six in the group stage, I think, Benfica yeah, as well, didn't they? Yeah, you know, they sold their, be- their best player probably to, to Manchester City in the summer and that was the goalkeeper the lad that they've put in goal is, is really young is making a few errors so I think I think the Portuguese league is sort of finding itself again it's one of them leagues where a lot of people have been you know you're talking about one of the stars of the league well West Ham with Roman and Aaron whether uh, William Carvalho is good enough to come and play for West Ham you know um, so that I, I think if Liverpool turn up you know, Porto go out around this time because this is when they tend to go and face a big boy, or do you know they might get into the last sixteen because of the second best side in the group that might have the likes of Carabag or or whatever. In so they, they do tend to get the, to this point most seasons, but then if they come up against any opposition, they go out. And I can't, I honestly can't see anything better as long as Liverpool turn up. In Portugal, ah, I love the confidence. I'm not quite as confident as any of you. I can see it being really quite a cagey affair in Portugal, yeah. deliberately keeping it cagey and just thinking we, we you know, it, my the one that's in my head is actually the Benfica yeah. uh, 2006. of 2006, where nothing happens in the first leg and you sort of get the impression Benitez half takes it, uh, but then I think they get the late goal to make it one nil, and you think, oh, well, we'll have these back at field and field out. And then yeah, and then the, and then the they get two against us, and, and the whole thing becomes very very frustrating. Anyway, just quick prediction from you, Ian. I will go 2 0 to Liverpool. 2 0, Neil? Yeah, I'm going 2 0 as well. 2 0, Paul? 4 0, Liverpool. Wow. Oh, wow. good luck. <laughs> I'm really confident. Very bad. Uh, I think 3 1. 3 1 to the Reds. Everyone's gone with the Reds. All right, I'm going to balance this one out for one time. I'm actually going to say the 1 1 draw. Get out. Uh, get them back to Anfield. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, thank you so much to Neil, to Ian, uh, to Fuad, and to Paul, and you for listening as well uh, to this. This has been the Anfield Wrap brought to you in association with the Reds Bet. Take it easy, everyone. Podcast Network.